man, is that the Rock News Weekly podcast? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. This is Rock News Weekly. Every week, we bring you all the latest headlines in rock, metal, indie, grunge, alt, and classic rock news. This week's new releases, this week in music history trivia, movie, pop culture, and more. Follow us on all social media platforms at Rock News Weekly for our quick one-minute weekly update videos. And please give the episode a five-star rating if you enjoy the episode. Now on to this week's episode. It's time for another episode of the Rock News Weekly Podcast. Chris here inside the garage with Charles again. What's up, man? Hola, Chris. And we just got done with a great Mother's Day weekend. Hopefully you guys had a great Mother's Day weekend yourselves. We got lots of things to talk about this weekend, though, or this week, rather. Nirvana being sued for merchandise artwork copyright claim, Charles. This is interesting. I read that. Yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers' Chad Smith details the first new album with John Frusciante in 15 years. Travis Barker and Tom DeLonge's side project, Boxcar Racer, possibly releasing first new music in nearly 20 years. Scott Weiland's death is the subject of the new Reels Autopsy oh. series, so we'll talk about that. Megadeth and Lamb of God announced new dates for this fall and more, plus this week in music history trivia, weekly WTF and more. All of our links are up at rocknewsweekly.com. Make sure you guys check it out. Quick shout out to my buddy Ian, uh, who just got married on Saturday, uh, went up there, or down there rather, to um, Bandit Town by Chick Chansey and had a beautiful wedding. Uh, so <clears throat> want to give him a shout out to his beautiful wife, uh, Alicia, and uh, we had a great time down there. So thank you guys for hosting us. It was a beautiful wedding. Congrats, man. Congrats. Welcome to the world of marriage, yes. my oh, friends. Oh, it's a blast. It's a roller coaster ride of, of nonstop fun. Uh, news, <laughs> new releases this week, guys. May 7th, uh, that was just uh, out this past Friday. We have new albums out from A- Ice Age, Nancy Wilson's first solo album, huh. Squid, The Mighty Mighty Bostones got a new album out. Dope. Van Morrison, even Weezer has their new one out, Van Weezer, uh, oh, that yeah. just came out on Friday. And this coming Friday on the 14th of May, you can also expect to see some new albums from Cake Pop, Damian Gerardo, Ethan Gold. Uh, J. Cole, Johnny Flynn, Georgia Smith, Juliana Hatfield. Wow. That's a cool one. Juliana Hatfield, we've been playing that on the garage. Really like that one from her. Also, Miles Kennedy, he's got his album out, The Ides of March. Paul Weller, Sons of Kemet, Sarah Newfield. St. Vincent has a new album okay. coming out this Friday. The Black Keys as mm. well. Delta Cream, that one's on Friday. And The Chills uh, got some new stuff on the way. So make sure you guys check that out. Awesome. Tour news this week. We were saying the big announcement this week was uh, the re-announcement, I should say, of this Megadeth Lamb of God show uh, rescheduling their tour dates. Megadeth and Lamb of God has rescheduled their dates on the co-headlining tour. It was postponed due to the pandemic. It was supposed to happen last October. Oh, yeah. And they've rescheduled it now. So the dates we're getting here in California looks like Irvine on September 1st and Concord at the Concord Pavilion on September 2nd. Uh, so I was uh, thinking that sounds like Labor Day weekend, right? Oh, yeah. So hey, th- that cruise never – they never did the cruise, huh? Nope. It fell through. Never did the cruise. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to be doing any cruises anytime soon, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember that was, that was I think, like not long before the pandemic hit. They were supposed to do that, the mega Megadeth cruise. Yep. Yeah. And it uh, doesn't look like that's going to happen. Uh, but they are rescheduling the dates, and this is also – a couple dates got dropped, so I'm not sure what cities got dropped. Uh, but it's also with Trivium and In Flames. You guys can check it out on their official websites. Dope. Uh, it is happening this weekend, or this this fall, rather. So check that out. 
Uh, also announcing uh, their tour is Beartooth. They announced their UK dates for next year, but they've also announced their US, de- US dates for later this year. Uh, that's uh, It's called the Keklo? Oh, the Below Tour. Uh, Beartooth, the Below Tour, Wage War, and Dragged Under are the supporting artists on that. And it looks like, uh, where are we going to get some dates here? Uh, California. I'm trying to find the California dates. Da, 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 da. Where are you? I love that song. <laughs> San Diego. Oh, there we go. October 15th. And then it looks like uh, San Diego. One of the other dates in the Southern California area. So cool. There you go. Check that out. Um, and we got some more rock news to talk about right now as we get into the Nirvana story. Ooh, yeah. Nirvana. I, I read this. Being sued for longtime merch artwork. Here's yeah. a picture of the artwork. Uh, you guys can look it up for yourselves by Googling Dante's Inferno. Inferno is the opening section, apparently, in Italian writer Dante Alighieri's Gieri's, mm-hmm. uh, 14th century epic poem, Divine Comedy. Yep. So uh, you could see that 1984 U.S. publication, 1949 U.K. publication both have copyrights there in the office. And Nirvana kind of ripped off one of these. Oh, yeah. And it says they first started using it in 1989, and it was said to have been created by the late Kurt Cobain. Um, So they sold it on shirts, mugs, vinyl records, and other merchandise, uh, sold at stores including Walmart, H&M, and Hot Topic. The drawing uh, is now the subject of this copyright claim. So what do you think of that? I mean, this looks like something that's pretty obviously copyrighted before oh yeah they lifted that and maybe the time where people really weren't paying attention to stuff like that but now they're trying to collect on what they're saying the merchandise from 19 all the way back from 1997 yeah on this yeah that uh, (laughs) honestly um like i don't think this would if i don't think that you know if they're like yeah we want 60 million dollars and that would be crazy but if they're just looking for you know if they're actually just looking for um some compensation for you know for basically utilizing this artwork that was like created by a family member i totally get it yeah jocelyn susan bundy is the one who sued nirvana it was her grandfather cw scott giles uh who drew that way back uh, in like the 1930s or something like that. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to put yourself in their shoes, like basically, like just think of it this way: like if your grandpa drew something awesome that went on, you know, in an, an epic, um, uh, you know, epic poem like um, the Divine Comedy, and then, you know, and then years later, some band that basically became one of the biggest rock bands of the century, right? Like just ba- and said and said literally said, oh yeah, the lead singer created this, <laughs> right? Then then you're like, well, that's not cool, you know. Yeah. Probably, it's probably digging at you for a couple of decades. Be- yeah. It probably dug at them for like ten years before, twenty years before they were finally like, let's sue these these people. Yep, and fair enough, right? Yeah, it seems justified. Um, this is also kind of creepy. Check this out in the Nirvana world. Kurt Cobain's hair is up for auction. Six strands of Kurt Cobain's hair are now up for auction as part of the iconic auctions, the Amazing Music Auction. Hmm. It also includes personally owned stage used or signed musical memorabilia from Cobain and Nirvana, as well as the Beatles, Bob Dylan, Eric Clapton, Led Zeppelin, and more. So they're saying about this hair, they're saying, quote, this one-of-a-kind artifact is entirely fresh to market and is accompanied by impeccable lineage of provenance, including photos of Kurt posing with the woman who cut his hair scissors in hand and a fantastic shot of the hair actually being cut oh okay so they say the lucky friend who trimmed the nirvana frontman's iconic blonde locks was an early confidant tessa osborne who cut his hair in 1989 
well prior to his Nevermind breakthrough while on the Bleach tour in the UK. Tessa presented the original lock to the Seattle artist Nicole DiPolo as a heartfelt gift after Kurt's passing, and she provided the original bag with a handwritten Providence note. 29-10-89, Tess cut Kurt's hair in Birmingham, England, 27 Holy Road, Handsworth, Birmingham. Okay. A portion of the proceeds from the auction will benefit Live Nation's Crew Nation, which is uh, the global relief fund for helping live musicians, or uh, live music crew workers, rather, negatively impacted by the pandemic. So... At least some of it's going to chari- charity, but still kind of crazy. You know what? It's it still is a little creepy. It, it is. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Because when you think about it, this 1989 was, you know, around that that you know, the beginnings of the Bleach tour, um, well before they blew up and became, you know, right. what what they, what they were. And just knowing that this lady, you know, cut her, you know, her acquaintance's hair and then kept the hair <laughs> in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> Like what? How many other I samples? Do this with all of the people I cut hair with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like you I never have a whole, know. I have a whole garage yeah. full of Ziploc bags. A whole garage full of little strands of hair. <laughs> you never know when one of them might be famous. Yeah, exactly. I've waited forty years <laughs> to cash in on this. It's waiting. I'm waiting. I've got four of them are marked red because any of them could kill themselves at any oh time. Oh my god! Right? Crazy. Anyway, uh, speaking of weird and disturbing. More stuff coming forward as Marilyn Manson is being sued by another actress, Esme Bianco. This double is eek. Double, uh, double <laughs> eek, definitely for sure. Uh, this Oof. is a Game of Thrones star now, Esme Bianco. She filed a, a lawsuit against Manson claiming such abuse took place between 2009 and 2011. She's saying that uh, she's uh, suing him for rape, torture, and drugging. He allegedly flew Bianco from London to L.A. in early 2009 to film a video for his song, I Want to Kill You Like They Do in the Movies. That should have been the first. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got a great <laughs> new song I want to film a video for. It's called I Want to Kill You. Come by yourself. Yeah, come by yourself, right? Well, and here's the creepy part. After she arrived, she discovered there was no film crew. Oh. That should have been the second warning flag. Oh, yeah. Bianca claims Manson gave her drugs and alcohol and threatened violence and rape. According to court documents, she was tied to a prayer kneeler and beaten by Manson with a whip he told her was utilized by the Nazis. She claimed Manson also electrocuted her. Oh, yeah. That So that went from being, like, slightly, like, kind of funny to, like, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Quick. Yeah, real fast. Real quick. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> I've, oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's horrible. But then in 2011, she moved in with Manson two years later, moved in with him in L.A. Okay. With, with promises of film roles. During this time, she experienced sleep deprivation, verbal abuse, and tantrums if she objected to the violent and sexually graphic films he allegedly played in his apartment. Mm, okay, uh, so like basically the same as the other, the other, other people, his other <laughs> girlfriends. <laughs> the, same, same stuff. Yeah, this yeah. is all pretty crazy stuff. So uh, Manson's attorney said, uh, told TMZ, "quote These claims are provably false." To be clear, the suit was only filed after my client refused to be shaken down by Miss Bianco and her lawyer and given in to their outrageous financial demands based on conduct that simply never occurred, end quote. So we'll see what happens with this. Uh, sounds like they were trying to frame it as they were trying to get a money shakedown, but who knows? Well, he is a super creep. He is a super creep, and it's, it yeah. sounds like just in line with all the other stuff that the ladies are saying. So whether it ha- happened or not, I'm sure it's more on the side of truth than not, Yeah, I'm, hope- I'm thinking. Hopefully, if if this is true, you know, hopefully you get the justice that you that you definitely really, really, really deserve. Definitely. Yeah. Um, 
and Manson needs to be, you know, held accountable for this stuff if, if this is all true. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on to some better news, some more rock news. Chili Peppers prepping their first new album in five years. Chad Smith revealed. Oh, you mean Will is- Ferrell? <laughs> right, Will Ferrell's doppelganger. <laughs> Look at that photo of him, right? <coughs> uh, so he said uh, about this, quote, there's a gag order on me. I do, I do so many Zooms. And they're like, why'd you say that? There's something coming. I can say this. We're making a record. We're making new music, and that's that. Uh, It's very exciting. I don't know when it's coming out, but we can't wait for people to hear it, and we can't wait to perform for people, just like everybody else that really misses that experience. So it's the first uh, album with John Frusciante since 2006's Stadium Arcadium. Okay. Which is kind of crazy. I was thinking about it. And, you know, Josh uh, Klinghoffer's been filling in for the past two albums in between that. Um, so what do you think about all that? Are you excited to hear some new John Frusciante Chili Peppers, or do you think it's going to be kind of, eh, yeah. subpar? Yeah, not I really mean, all that great. I, I, you know, I, I was an uh, early Chili Peppers fan, you know, and as they kind of progressed, like, you know, a song or two would kind of catch my my ear, but for the most part, I like when I listen to their albums, it's just kind, it's it's all it's all right. Right. Yeah, I hear you. It's ya. like U two after uh, 90, 93, <laughs> right? Uh, yep. Very true. Um, This is interesting also. Check this out about the Chili Peppers. Variety is reporting sources citing the Chili Peppers selling their song catalog to Hypnosis Songs for upwards of $140 So there has been no official announcement about the deal from the band, and maybe this will be something that we cover in the future. But um, that's interesting if that's the case. It seems like a lot of bands are doing that. I know Offspring recently did it for a similar price. I think theirs was like $100 Yeah. And they still cashed out or something like that big time uh i know bob dylan did the same thing 140 million sounds like more than bob dylan got uh, for bob dylan's catalog so yeah. i don't know if that's really <laughs> i know it's bob dylan of all right. people I right think bob dylan should get the most and then chili peppers maybe a little bit less i don't know in terms of musicality and songwriting yeah and importance of said songs um but i don't know we'll have to see about that yeah that's a lot of money i mean yeah, i think a I, lot of money I, I, if, even if i was a rock star i probably wouldn't pass 140 mil up no right <laughs> Uh, Boxcar Racer, that's the side project between uh, Tom DeLonge and Travis Barker, as well as David Kennedy of Angels and Airwaves. That was their side project. They only had one album that came out in 2002. Mm. It was their debut and only album. And it was a pretty cool side project. I remember when they came out, it got a lot of buzz, um, being Tom DeLonge and um, Travis Barker in there. And so they he was asked, Tom DeLonge was asked about it recently, and he said, quote, um... He said that the band does have one song that was produced in the last few years, but they have not decided when to release it yet. He went on to say, but we just got to figure it out, like when that comes out and how we do that, but we plan to, end quote. So there is music out there that they have recorded. They are planning on releasing new music, but no concrete date yet, Hmm. but still something interesting, almost 20 years since they put out that debut and only album in 2002 oh yeah aliens aliens right yeah uh, he is definitely <laughs> absorbed with aliens these days tom DeLong. if you guys haven't uh heard about all that google it he's he's in the thick of it all right check it out out this past friday nancy wilson's solo album it's got sammy hagar taylor hawkins duff mckagan and more she nice. does a bunch of covers on this one yeah uh she teams up with uh all of these artists to do um like she did she teamed up with Sammy Hagar for a new take on Simon and Garfunkel's The Boxer. Okay. Pearl Jam's Daughter, Bruce Springsteen's The Rising, Cranberry's Dreams. Uh, so pretty cool. So check it out. It's her first solo album. I can't believe that. Nancy Wilson. 
she's been around forever. She's a legend, and this is her first time doing it. So That's awesome. Check it all out. Nicely done. Um, this is kind of a sad and interesting little story here. Scott Weiland's death is being examined this weekend on Reel's Autopsy, The Last Hours Of. It's the subject of the episode of Reel's Autopsy, The Last Hours Of, on May 9th, which was just yesterday night, guys. Uh, Scott Weiland, of course, was found dead on his tour bus in December of 2015. He was on the road with his solo act, The Wildabouts. Um, according to the show's official announcement, this is what they say. <clears throat> the examiner reports cites mixed drugs toxicity as the cause of death, but there was no heroin found in Scott's body uh, during the autopsy. And renowned forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter believes that Scott's well-documented drug use doesn't present the full picture. He investigates his troubled past, discovers a catalog of traumatic events and dangerous activities in Scott's life story. So they're trying to figure yeah. out what exactly happened on that night in the tour bus, and it just aired on Reels Autopsy, The Last Hours Of. They've done a lot of those. I, I know they have one on Chris Farley that they did on this Reels Autopsy and some of the other uh, major celebrities. Wow. So Scott Weiland now the subject of that. Uh, you guys can check it out. It just aired last night. Well, what do they do? Did he just pull up the, the the report from you know in the years ago, and they just like look at it again? Is yeah, that... I guess they look at it with fresh eyes and a fresh doctor's take on it, oh, and okay. uh, they kind of rerun the stuff. And like they were saying, maybe go more into his past and uh, see if they can kind of like connect the dots. I guess. Man, kind of sucks for the family of yeah the... to relive all that. Yeah, it's a little exploity. Yeah, and I wonder how that kind of like all got. Um, accepted and paid for and all that right yeah 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 i wonder like, if they're okay with it maybe then i get maybe if they got uh, you know the chili pepper style you know buyout that's you know <laughs> <laughs> i doubt it was anywhere near that <laughs> probably like we'll give you a million bucks oh yeah um but who knows oh, that's it, crazy it's, yeah that's a good point um more medical well kind of uh news about bad stuff with medical and doctors and stuff. Puddle of Mud former lead singer Paul Phillips, he's suing a Florida hospital and a couple of doctors for malpractice. He apparently went there in 2019. Uh, he received some care and apparently he's saying that he has a brain injury and seizure, seizure condition that could affect his music career now because of bad treatment he received. Oh, wow. So initially he was admitted to the hospital two years ago complaining about altered mental status possible seizure. He claims that his initial tests showed he had low sodium. Doctors brought his levels up too quickly. He says he was discharged from the hospital and had to be rushed back three days later due to a seizure. Uh, MRI showed brain damage, and he claims it was caused by the treatment he received during his prior hospital stay. Oh, okay. What do you think about something like that? You think he's got a case? Well, yeah, it's entirely possible. I've I've seen. I mean, I've <clears throat> I've, I've had family members that have had some pretty shitty shitty practice you know it's it's sometimes for um you know in a busy kind of hospital you know it's a it's a a coin flip you know it could be in it could be an in or out and they basically misdiagnose you and you know kick your ass out of the hospital or it could be something legitimate where you get a doctor on a good day who's just like yeah let me genuinely try to figure out what's wrong with you so right it's entirely possible yeah well we'll see how it goes with that that's unfortunate for him hopefully they can get it figured out it might be the puddles of mud. <laughs> it could be all those puddles of mud it all could, those years. Yeah, you know? Just think about it. Just right? absorb an point. amount of puddles of mud. <laughs> <laughs> all right, some rock birthdays this week, guys. We got a lot of them. Check out this list here. Ace Freely from Kiss turning 70. Mike okay. Dirt from uh, Green Day turning 49. Mick Mars from Motley Crue turning 70. 
Bill Ward, the drummer from Sabbath, turning 73. Bob Seger turning 76. Chris Shiflett from the Foo Fighters turning 50. And Bill Kreutzman from the Grateful Dead turning 75. Okay, a lot of birthdays. Wow. Oh, I didn't save this uh, uh, all the way, but I'll, I'll give you the, uh, the actual... <laughs> The yes. choices here, Chris. Chris, if you're looking at the, we're looking at the screen and we got our trivia and, and, uh, and Chris has like the, the only answer, choice. The only choice. The only choice up on the screen. Oh, I have shit. to guess. I have to guess the other choices. Okay, so um, well, do you want me to read out the trivia question? All right. So the choices are A, blank, B blank or C a coke fueled David Crosby. I just always have that as like the <laughs> default answer for C. It's my default answer. Uh, no. um, okay so here's the trivia guys. This week in 1969 this musician is arrested for possession of heroin at Toronto International Airport and released on a $10,000 bail. Was it A. Keith Richards B. Jimi Hendrix or C. a coke fueled David Crosby. <laughs> Well, I could tell you, I could tell you this that that I already know the answer because 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 uh, it's on the screen. <laughs> it is. It's accidentally on the screen. But I'm gonna tell you that even though even though the answer is on the screen, I'm gonna argue that it's actually a coke fueled David Crosby. Really? Wow. Because it was Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Because a record. he's always in possession of heroin. <laughs> like even though he doesn't do heroin, he right. always has a, a huge amount of heroin. I think what the story was was that Jimi Hendrix uh, was on tour around the time, and David Crosby was following him maniacally yeah. in a van and he was following Jimi Hendrix around on his tour. Makes sense. He was he was wearing a diaper. He wasn't <laughs> using the bathroom. He was just hitting the road and following the band, right? Yeah. So when Jimmy appeared at the Toronto International Airport, uh, David Crosby just came up to him like all crazy like a oh, fan, yeah. you know, like, hey man, oh, you know, he was all coked out of course, you know, totally on, on cloud nine. Saturated oh, Jimmy, mustache. I love you, man. I love when you burned your guitar there at uh at Woodstock and or at the Monterey Pop Festival, is so cool, man! I, I burn all my guitars now just because you did that. <laughs> uh, and so, hey, man, here's some heroin. I wanted to give it to you. Uh, this is a, a present from me. No, man, I can't accept that. No, what are you talking about? You're crazy, man. Get out of here. No, here you go. I'm gonna just put it in your jacket pocket. <laughs> You're good, brother. You have a good one. Cops came over immediately as David Crosby was running away. Uh, running, running wildly. Yep, running wildly, yeah. screaming, uh, flailing his hands, screaming the lyrics to "Hey Joe." Yeah, and then Jimi Hendrix got arrested. That's it. That's I, how it happened. Yeah, I remember that. I was, I, yeah, in 1969. Even though I, I wasn't born yet, like I, I remember that. And also, by the way, I just want to like leave this out for the audience here. You could fact check this, but when uh, David, when David Crosby, when he squeezes his mustache. It's just like a saturated mass of, of something comes out of it each and every time. And you know what it turns into? A silver bullet that wow. can kill werewolves. Wow. It's it's crazy. Which no, is... no, I think I saw that on Van Helsing. Yeah. That yeah. was a, an, an uncut scene or yeah. a deleted scene in Van Helsing. That's it. To get the silver bullet, and they showed it. Uh, Coke fueled David Crosby wearing yeah, diaper. Yep. Yeah. Crazy, huh? All right, one more trivia question. I also didn't write this out correctly, but you were <laughs> going right. to you were going to guess on this one. Uh, this week in 1991, Texas Governor whatever his name was declared it National This Day, and it was an artist from Texas. Okay, so was it A. 
National Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble Day. Ooh. B, National ZZ Top Day. Yeah. Or C, National Coke Field David, David Crosby Cros- Day. Oh, shit. The, oh, could have been girl. either one of those. Ah, uh, the, the, oh, it's so hard. Okay, so it's, I, I know it's got to be a Coke Field David Crosby. It has to. I'm like, I'm tempted to say uh, because that, that live in Austin performance that Stevie Ray Vaughn does it's just like so epic like everybody it is has, like everybody ha- every blues musician that I know my entire life and I've known a lot of blues musicians they they have that it's yeah. like in their it's in their like maybe Texas even native. framed right yeah so I it's probably that but my my heart my deep deep down inside my heart is telling me that it's a coke field David, David Crosby, Crosby day. day yeah it has to be well, it's actually ZZ Top Day. Oh, man. Texas Wrong Governor Ann Richards proclaimed it ZZ Top Day in Texas this week in 1991. Oh, well. Uh, well. No David Crosby coked out day. Aww. Maybe he'll get one eventually. Well, yeah, probably. It's going to happen. I think they'll give it to him maybe in somewhere like New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Somewhere... No. It's like, uh, like we, Detroit. You, we didn't, we didn't see, we didn't mention this earlier. But like when we were talking about that kind of horrible Marilyn Manson story, his lawyer actually said, "quote It probably didn't happen." <laughs> <laughs> uh, you probably, yeah. It, I'm actually reading that verbatim because it jumped out at me like it's in quotations. Yeah, it probably didn't happen. That's <laughs> if you've got a lawyer that says that, he's probably, a shitty lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for David Crosby, it's probably gonna happen. Yeah, very true. Yeah, it's probably very gonna true. Happen. Uh, check this out, podcast. Moving on up, Tribeca Film Festival is revealing its first ever podcast program. Oh. Yeah, so there's some Oscar-nominated stuff for podcasts, um, including, uh, apparently, uh, what do we got here? Produced uh, podcast Ear Hustle and previews new podcasts Hot White Heist and Red Frontier. Okay. Um, explosion of popularity in podcasts. Perfect time to introduce our inaugural tri- Tribeca po- podcast program. So there you go. That's oh, kind of neat. Uh, all right. June that's 9th cool. through the 20th in New York and podcasts uh, part of that now. No, oh, I'm a big, I'm a big podcast fan. You know, not not only because we do a podcast, right. th- which is the best podcast. Of course. But I I listen to podcasts like Actually, you know what? I'm on one right now. So I'm going to plug this podcast for, <laughs> for you guys. No, after, but please. Right after you Let listen, other people know what yeah, other podcasts. Right after you listen to this or well, anything from Q Code, by the way. If you look up anything from Q Code, if you want something very deep, serious, kind of horror-driven, um, look up anything from Q Code. Um, anything from Earwolf. If you want something really kind of funny, kind of off, you know, they're, they're right. the ones. Um, uh, they're the ones who do some of my favorite kind of funny, um, you know, outlandish podcasts. But right now, I'm actually listening to one from the BBC, which is fucking epic. It is amazing. It's called the uh, the Love the Lovecraft Investigation. Oh yeah, yeah. It is just like nice. it's so well done, just amazing. And the, the performances done by some of these people, like that, take you know, take very serious, yeah. like Oscar winning performances. And I think that's why the Tribeca Film Festival is one of the first ones that's starting to recognize. Oh that, yeah, uh, yeah, because they do a, a yep. killer job on these things, right? Serious actors now. They, you, <laughs> you, yeah. You, yeah. Don't be surprised if you if you get on Apple Podcasts and you've got like some very very serious like. Right. winning actors that are doing that are doing these podcasts that's really cool very cool um game of thrones fans listen up hbo's released the first images of the first game of thrones spinoff series oh nice it's called house of dragon and it's clear from the white blonde wigs that it's all about the targaryens basically oh, yeah. uh centers around house targaryen um and it plays 
Emma de Arcy, who plays the king's firstborn child princess, Rhianna Targaryen. Mm. The crown's Matt Smith, who's playing Prince Daemon Targaryen. Okay. Which we know that that was uh, like their love child, uh, whatever, was kind of what yeah. Ned Stark uh, took under, which became Jon Snow and all of that stuff. And so we'll see how that all happens. Yeah. This is pretty interesting. King uh, Game, Game of Thrones, it's called House of Dragon, Whoa, and it's in production. A lot of incest in the Targaryens. Oh, yeah. If you read, read the books. It's a lot, a lot of incest yep. there. <laughs> just yep. be prepared. Uh, there, there may just be, <laughs> may just, lots of, may just lots keeping of, it all in the family. Lots, lots of mongoloid features. <laughs> lots of fiddle playing. Oh my god! All right, check this out. Space tourism flight is happening in July. Amazon billionaire Jeff Bezos' company Blue Origin announced yesterday. It's planning on to having its first space tourism flight on July 20th. Hmm. What do you guys think of that? That seems kind of crazy. That's pretty dope. Uh, it's for space tourism flights. It will go to charity. It will spend up to six passengers 62 miles up into suborbital space. At each height, they'll experience a few mile, minutes of weightlessness and be able to see curvature of the Earth. $200,000 per ticket. Okay. That's, I mean, if it's going to charity... Um, some of it. Yeah, some of it. Just, if it's Jeff Bezos, $3 of it is going to charity. <laughs> I know, right? It says proceeds go to the company's foundation. So yeah. I don't know what that means. But Well, I remember back in the day, uh, Justin Timberlake paid like a million dollars to go up into space. And it was, um, and everyone's like, oh my God. Now it's like. Yeah, kind of common, huh? Yeah. It's like going to be a normal thing, I think, for people. This was a really cool story. Check this out. We're going to end this uh, podcast on this story. <clears throat> Headline reads. 10-year-old Nigerian refugee, now a national chess master. Mm. Tani Adewumi Adewumi Mm -hmm. is only 10 years old, but he has just become a national chess master. While it's an incredible achievement for anyone at at that age, it's made even more stunning by his story. Tani first made headlines when he won the New York State Chess Championship at the age of 8. After playing the game for only a year while living with his friend's family in a homeless shelter. According to the New York Times, Tani and his friend and his family fled Nigeria in 2017, fearing they would become the target of Boko Haram terrorists. Mm. They were given asylum here in New York and were living in a Manhattan homeless shelter. During that time, he learned how to play chess at school. The chess coach saw that the boy's potential and approached his family about him joining the chess program. Fees were waived for him to join the club. Awesome. Went on to win several trophies. A GoFundMe page was set up to move the family out of the homeless shelter, and it raised some $250,000. Oh, my God. The family now has a home in New York. Oh, my God. And he's a chess master. That's so cool. (laughs) Isn't that so cool? Yeah, that is it. That's a great, great, great story. And I think that's, uh, you know, one of the few that we hear about on a regular basis is, like, this is what America's all about, you know, is accepting these people that are running, uh, fleeing from terrorist countries like this. We give him refuge, and he turns out to be a chess national chess master champion. Yeah, absolutely. And yep. you know, did the GoFundMe, and now they have a home in New York. And yeah, that's a honestly, that's a beautiful story. That makes up for the Marilyn Manson story. I know. That's a beautiful. That's I a think it beautiful does. story. I think it does. So share that with your friends and keep that in your hearts. Uh, all right, guys, that does it for us this week on the Rock News Weekly podcast. Follow us on Instagram. At Rock News Weekly, of course, Facebook, Twitter, it's all the same. Uh, Give us a like and a follow on our pages. Rate us in the podcast store. If you guys enjoyed the episode, we do appreciate it. Uh, And we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one, all right? Peace. Peace!